Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, along with my co-host, David Blackman. We have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be joined a little bit later on in the show with David Callahan, who is the president of the Marcellus Shell Coalition. But first, I want to tell you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine, which just dropped, and it is covering the Biden administration and what it means for you if you are in the oil and gas sector or if you're just a person of the community, what can you expect with this new administration and things like maybe gas prices and higher utilities? It's all in there. It's a story you definitely want to read. And I encourage you to go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and read all about it. Or you can like Shell Magazine's Facebook page in which will give you the latest issue every single time we release one. I'd also like to uh, let you know about a mixer that Texas Energy Advocates Coalition is having in beautiful Houston, Texas on April 22nd at 5.30 to 7.30. It will be in Energy Corridor, this mixer. It'll be at Jonathan's The Rub. For more information, go to Shell Mag's Facebook page. You can click on the link and purchase tickets there. We do anticipate this will be a sold out event, so you definitely want to Get your tickets now, or you're welcome to sponsor a door prize, or they're always looking for sponsors as well. As you guys may or may not know, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, better known as TEAK, is a membership that allows you to attend their mixers, special invite-only events, as well as you can advocate on behalf of the oil and gas industry. So if you don't necessarily work in the oil and gas industry, that's okay. They want your voice. So please, for more information, go visit TXEnergyAdvocates.org. Again, that's TXEnergyAdvocates.org. Or you can go visit their Facebook page, like it, and you'll have all the information there. And that's Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. We will see you at the Mixer on 422 at 530 at Jonathan and the Rub. And now it's time to welcome on my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It's every day is a beautiful day in Texas, <laughs> as long day. as we wake up, right? <laughs> right. You know, this segment is geared at you and I catching up our listeners on everything that's happening in oil and gas that they like and need to know now. So let's start with oil prices. We talk about this a lot on the show, and we've had we another <laughs> up and down week as traders try to figure out uh, where global demand recovery is headed. Um, and uh, I guess I want to know your thoughts and where do we go from here? Are the traders on the right path this time? Well, it's, <laughs> you know, they overreact so much to everything. Oh, I know. They're such scaredy cats. Drives me crazy. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think overall, just globally, uh, overall, uh, when you look at uh, where the EIA thinks we're headed and the IEA thinks we're headed and Goldman Sachs and all these other big firms that invest billions of dollars in this commodity, uh, there's a a growing consensus that global demand recovery is well on track to be right where it was before the pandemic hit last year, uh, by the end of this year. But every time we have a, a, you know, an an addition, uh, 
to, to U.S. inventories of crude oil or gasoline, the market goes crazy and drops the price of oil by a dollar or two, and then it takes a couple of days to recover. And, you know, we saw that happen again this week. We had a, a build not in crude oil storage, but in, in gasoline storage inventories here in the United States. And the price dropped a dollar on Wednesday. And, and you know, it's just, it's, it's up and down and, and it drives you nuts. But I think it's just a general trend. Uh, crude prices are on a path to stay strong the rest of this year and really the rest of next year. And, and then you get into 20, the end of 2022 and, and the beginning of 2023. And I, I just, I continue to believe we're headed for a bit of a train wreck where all supply is concerned because despite all the green energy messaging that's, you know, pervasive in our society today. Right. Uh, and all this talk about the speeding up of the energy transmission to electric vehicles and renewable energy, the world is still demanding a lot of oil and is going to continue to demand a lot of, lot of oil. And frankly, over the last five years, our industry has not invested in, in the discovery of new resources that are going to, you know, at a level that's going to be able to meet the demand in three or four years. So it, it we could see a, a kind of a big uh, spike in crude prices in the 2022-2023 timeframe because we just haven't had the investment in this industry that it's needed to to account for future growth in demand and, and that future growth is coming. So it, this is a good time. I told that audience in Houston a couple of weeks ago, this is a really good time to be coming into the oil and gas industry if you're interested in making a lot of money in your career this is the time to be coming in and doing it. Uh, well, hopefully our audience is hearing you because yeah, yeah. come on in. And the greenies, <laughs> I can picture, you know, this head explosion going on with yeah, like, what? Uh, let's switch gears and talk about the Texas legislator. Uh, they're still working on bills that would attempt to fix the power grid of the big freeze that happened in February. ERCOT released a new report this week assessing that what caused the blackouts and and then it was good news for the natural gas industry because earlier reports were kind of saying that natural gas had, you know, was the problem. And now right. I guess it's kind of. So tell us a little about the report and, and what did it, what did it say? Yeah, despite all the messaging uh, and, and bad stories in the news media here in Texas and really nationally, that natural gas was somehow the cause of the, the whole problem back yeah. in February. Mm. ERCOT found that 54% of the problem was lack of weatherization of power plants, not supply of natural gas. Supply of natural gas only caused 12% of the blackout issue. Yeah. It was weatherization and lack of weatherization of, of coal plants, nuclear plants, natural gas power plants, wind turbines, and solar farms, okay? Right. That's what caused the majority of the problem, and that's what needs to be fixed by the legislature. And, and the Senate, to its great credit, has passed a really strong bill that would require weatherization yeah. of Which all we of need these that. plants we need right, against this kind of freezing weather. Yeah. The House bills are, are not quite as strong on that, and they're going to have to reconcile those two views into a unified bill before the end of this session. So I, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. If it doesn't, I sure hope the governor calls a special session to until they do get yeah. it done, because it has to be done. Well, you know, we have a good listener poll. What should uh, a person listening who is, you know, 
was really affected by this freeze. Remembers, you know, being without power for three to five days or longer, busted pipes. And this happened in 2011. The legislators didn't really fix that issue. And here we are again now here with we it. Are again. So yep. what can our listeners do to force pressure on our elected officials? Well, you just have to you have to figure out who your senator and who your state representative is and call them repeatedly them. over and over again. Mm-hmm. Email them. Let them know this has to be done. And if they don't get it done, there will be consequences at the ballot box. And it's not just them. It's the Speaker of the House. It's the lieutenant governor who runs the Senate and the governor's office. All those senior leaders need to be aware of how important this is to you as well. Right. It's important to me. It's important to Kim. It's important to all, all of us. All of us. And yeah. if you don't know who your elected official is, it's easily found online. Google it. Because it is important you know who your elected official is because this won't be the only bill that we will face that will really have consequences on us all. So you should know, and this is your civic duty, to call and push in a nice way, be respectful, that they need to pass some legislation that will fix this problem in winterization once and for all. It has to be, they have to require it. In 2011, they just suggested it. It has to be required. And you have to if find your legislator. it won't happen. You, it doesn't do any good to call a legislator that's not in your district because they don't they want to listen right. to their constituents. <laughs> so make sure you find your elected that's official, right. your senator and your uh, uh, state representative. Let's switch gears and talk about gas prices real quick uh, for our audience who are concerned about the price. The price of oil dropped by about 10 percent in recent weeks and have gas prices at the pump <laughs> also dropped, though. No, they have not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because it's summer. Uh, it's summer, and we're going into summer driving season, or we're getting close to that, and uh, we're changing over from blending winter fuels to summer fuels, and those are a lot more expensive. And, you know, so the price of gasoline is 85 cents higher per gallon uh, than it was on Election Day. And, and the other facet of what's happening here is the markets see the policies coming down from the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. And they can see that the, the administration is is attempting, overtly attempting to damage the oil and gas industry in the United States. And that means lower production levels and, you know, tighter markets. And so the traders who basically determine global oil prices are, are you know, trying to run up the price uh, and have been since Election Day. So unfortunately, uh, we are not seeing the benefits at the pump from this drop in oil prices uh, and probably won't. I think the price of gasoline just keeps going up. And it's a shame because most uh, people, I think most of us are choosing to drive versus fly um, to just maybe yeah. get away to, you know. I don't want to get on an airplane. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a little different now feel. But remember some time back when we used to have, I know like here in San Antonio, we used to have a lot of signage like, don't fill up your car right now. Wait till after a certain hour. And, and that all seems to have gone away. <clears throat> and these blends, I'm, I'm going to try to make the audience understand, these blends are part of that because there are a different fuel that kind of works a little bit better with, with I guess, hotter temperatures. It helps to eliminate haze. Uh, it's a, an anti-haze control thing program at the EPA. And it's been successful. I mean, right. don't get me wrong. Right. It has. It's been a successful program, but it costs money. Right. And so we're paying a little bit more for that, which is a good thing. But then we're also going to continue to see uh, no price relief as we're getting ready to go to summer uh, because what you said, because of this administration and a lot of the regulation that is is starting to 
come on or you know be placed right, on, yeah. on the oil and gas industry. Well, David, that is all the time we have for this segment. But when we return, we will be joined by David Callahan, president of the Marcellus Shale Coalition, who is a new president. And we're looking forward to getting to know him and seeing what his vision is for that coalition. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free, no charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash TEAK and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash today. And now, David, it's time for us to welcome on Dave Callahan, who is the president of the Marcellus Shell Coalition. Dave, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to meet you and a pleasure to meet David as well. Uh, looks like you've got a great show. I've, I've, I've watched a little bit, listened to a little bit last night in preparation, and it's a great, great uh, show. Look forward to participating. We love our show. It kind of talks a lot about uh, common sense type of uh, uh, oil and gas questions and answers. It's not highly technical, and it's actually for the average Joe, as well as we welcome, of course, our oil and gas folks that work in the energy industry. But Dave, before we start, uh, tell us, uh, our audience, a little bit about the mission of the Marcella Shell Coalition, which is what you're president of, and then how you became the leader succeeding Dave Spiegelmeyer, who we've had on the show last year. Certainly. And again, thank you. Uh, the MSC is a statewide trade association in Pennsylvania. We represent all facets of the, uh, of the shale industry in Pennsylvania. We have producers, midstream companies. We have some downstream companies. Uh, we have one uh, electric or power generation company on our board. And we also have a number of uh, associate members who supply uh, goods and services to the industry. And we like to say that, you know, in terms of uh, our, the reach of our membership, uh, roughly 95% of the gas produced in Pennsylvania came from a Marcellus Shale Coalition member. We're a very vibrant organization. We're a very active organization. It's been around since nearly the beginning of the shale play itself. Um, I've been involved with the organization since 2010. was actually an employee here for two years uh, before moving on to working for uh, a couple of companies who were active in the shale play. And during that time, um, I became active on our board and executive board, and I've held a number of different positions on those bodies and uh, became very close uh, with Mr. Spiegelmeyer, my predecessor, whom I had known for approximately 30 years. Uh, and uh, <laughs> when, when Dave announced his retirement, uh, of course, my reaction was, heck no, who would want to run this organization? Who would want to take that on? Well, I do. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really... After some soul searching, you know, we, we all believe in the industry and it's time to, you know, really put my mark on the industry. It's time to help my colleagues in the industry advance and defend the industry. It's been an exciting time. 
Well, uh, we're glad that you are on board and we look forward to learning a little bit about your vision and leadership of, um, you know, what are your plans for the coalition? You guys last year, was it last year or the year before you guys had your annual conference and uh, membership meeting and actually President Trump came and spoke to you guys. That was huge. Tell us a little bit about that. Certainly. Well, he he actually has attended twice now, once as a candidate and, and once as president. And it was just a, a fortunate turn of events where, you know, the timing worked out. And, and in terms of the last go around, um, you know, we we made the offer to both uh, the president and, and uh, Secretary of State Clinton. He accepted and he had a very warm welcome from our members. He, he turned it into kind of a rally. He really rallied the troops, so to speak. Our Shale Insight Conference is, is a premier conference. We usually have it every fall. Um, this year, we're going to be having it uh, near the end of September, and we're going to be hosting it hopefully in person. We're planning on meeting in person, and we'll be up in Erie, Pennsylvania uh, to host that, where we sometimes get uh, 800 or, or more individuals to attend. It's a great opportunity to hear all facets of the industry. If you want to hear political items, you can hear political speakers. If you want to hear about technical matters, you hear about technical matters. Uh, if folks have uh, certifications from the state, whether it's uh, a CLE for attorneys or, or CLEs for engineers and others, they can receive credits there in, in our technical sessions as well. We try to be a one-stop shop for everyone at the conference. Well, hopefully this year, maybe David and I can get out there and tape a show live while, while you all are. Yeah, we'd love out. to have you both. Yeah. So just to give our listeners a little bit of background, the Marcellus region is mostly known of being one of the most prolific producers of natural gas. You've had a tremendous impact also on the economy of Pennsylvania and some other states. So let's talk quickly about the magnitude that you guys are producing there in Pennsylvania. Sure. Last year in in 2020, Pennsylvania produced uh, roughly 7 trillion cubic feet of gas. And I know for your listeners and others, what does that really mean? We all know it's a big number, right? Well, if you if you ex- extrapolate it out, you could, we can say that that seven trillion cubic feet is enough to provide energy to every residential um, domicile in the country for a year. That's that's a good way of putting it. Pennsylvania, of course, is number two in the country behind Texas, but if you combined our Appalachian neighbors of Ohio and West Virginia. Pennsylvania then, or the region then becomes number one. Yeah. And according to my colleague in West Virginia, Charlie Bird, who runs the uh, gas and oil organization in West Virginia, he says that that region, if it was a country, would be number three in the world. Yeah. So, Isn't that about a third of all the natural gas production in the United States coming I from I believe that, region? that the region is, yes. Pennsylvania yeah. is almost 19% and the region is, is close to a third. Absolutely. Wow. Very good. So now that we have learned a little bit about the Marcellus Shell Coalition and how prolific you guys are in producing natural gas, when we come back from the break, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes because it seems that every area that is focusing on oil and gas is having issues with the new administration and I'm (laughs) assuming you guys are no different. So we want to get into some of the areas of interest tough problems that you guys foresee on the horizon, as well as are there any strides that you hope to accomplish through this administration that, you know, might or might not work well for your region. We do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Well, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Program. I'm David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine with my co-host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, Dave Callahan, the president of the Marcellus Shell Coalition. Dave, uh, you know, we last year was uh, just a terrible year for everybody with the, the COVID pandemic um, and the uh, depression that created in our industry. You know, and, and of course, we talk about Texas and how it's impacted Texas and the, the, the region down here quite a lot. But we don't get a lot of insight from from the Marcellus, uh, not as much. And I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about how the COVID pandemic and all the restrictions to the economy hit the industry up there, and and how you know how things are recovering up there uh, in the Marcellus region. Certainly, thank you very much. Uh, and you know, I mentioned that Pennsylvania produced seven, roughly seven TCF of natural gas in 2020. That was just a 4% increase over the prior year. And to put that into perspective in terms of the, we would consider that a bit of a slowdown. To put that in perspective, that's the only single digit growth year, if that's a mouthful, but the only single digit growth year that we've had other than 2016 or 2017 during the, the prior slowdown. Yeah, We're hopeful that things will turn around. Uh, and we're seeing signs that, certainly seeing signs that the economy is turning around. And as I mentioned, when I speak to our members and folks outside of my organization, the pandemic taught us a couple of things. Number one, our industry is vital when it comes to dealing with the pandemic. You know, natural gas and, and oil are the source of the raw materials that create a lot of the personal protective equipment, syringes, masks, gloves, you name it. And we're even a part of the, uh, the actual vaccine itself. Uh, so we have a very strong role to play there. And if not for our industry, I'd hate to think of where we would be in terms of recovering from the pandemic. The second point I wanted to make is that the pandemic taught us nationally, at least, 
that we really need, that the U.S. should really think about reshoring more manufacturing. You know, we went through tremendous shortages of things, you know, everything from white goods, washers, dryers, refrigerators, ranges, you name it, to other consumer, to other consumer products. It's a real opportunity to reshore manufacturing in this country. And, you know, like your region, I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to wave the flag for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. <laughs> Bring your manufacturing facilities here. We've got the energy. We've got a tremendous skilled labor force. We're near markets. This should be the opportunity. We've got the fuel to, and the energy source to make this happen, both here, Pennsylvania, in your neck of the woods, nationwide. We need to bring back manufacturing. There's no excuse for it not to happen. Yeah, and isn't it a reality that that before the pandemic hit, I mean, your region had really seen, was seeing quite a renaissance in manufacturing uh, up there prior to the pandemic. And uh, uh, isn't that the case? We, we had certainly seen some very good success stories. Uh, yeah. you know, first and foremost, the, the Shell Petrochemical Facility uh, in Beaver right. County, Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh, employing you know, contractors uh, somewhere between six and 7,000 construction folks, um, members of the construction trade unions earning very good wages, putting this world-class facility together. You know, eventually, I think they're going to employ somewhere around 600 people. And uh, we think from what we've heard in, in public announcements that it'll be operational sometime in 2022. Yeah. It's my long-winded way of saying that's the start of something that we've been hoping for that the start of that, those downstream opportunities for natural gas and natural gas liquids. From that petrochemical facility, we'll see polyethylene, and that polyethylene will hopefully lead to other manufacturers in the region uh, sprouting up to take advantage of the nearness to that resource. Right, and uh, you know, talk about downstream, you know, another aspect of the industry we don't talk about enough, I think, is LNG exports. I, I came across a story at a publication called the uh, Lancaster Farming uh, Magazine, I guess it is, complaining about the volumes of natural gas from the Marcellus that they'd end up being exported uh, via LNG. And I think the point they were trying to make is, well, why are we producing this gas if we're not using it here in the region? But I mean, isn't that really just a part of the, the whole way the, the industry benefits the economy? Uh, those LNG exports have a positive impact on the economy there too, don't they? Yeah, that's a great question, and we're going to get back to it. I just have a hard break coming up on us. Let me take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to let Dave answer that question. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. If you'd like more information, go to womensenergynetwork.org slash South Texas or call 855-390-0650. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. 
Our guest today is Dave Callahan, the president of the Marcellus Shell Coalition. David, you had asked him about LNG exports before the break. Uh, can you bring that question, that question right back up uh, for our listeners? Sure. Just uh, saw a recent story uh, uh, from a website complaining about volumes of natural gas being exported from the Marcellus, just as they are here in Texas. We have a very robust LNG export industry in the United States. And I, I just, uh, you know, I mean, that, that I know in Texas is a tremendous uh, uh, economic development tool here in Texas. Isn't it the same in Pennsylvania? It is certainly a great economic development tool. I think I saw a report that indicated that uh, exports uh, made their way to 38 different countries uh, last year. And it's not just an economic success story. Mind you, I think I've heard uh, reports that nearly 3 billion people worldwide suffer from energy poverty. It's a way to help bring people out of energy poverty. It's a way to help them improve their health. Not only that, it's a way to help these economies grow in, in other parts of the world. And let's not forget, we always have to remember that when we talk about our product, when we talk about what we do in our industry, the benefits aren't just on the economic side, it's on the environmental side as well. If you're interested in, in carbon dioxide reductions, LNG is the way to do it worldwide. It's the easiest and cleanest way to make it happen. And, and not only that, we can't forget about the national security benefits of being an LNG exporter. Energy security is national security. That can't be understated. That's right. That's a commercial we need to put into our <laughs> show. You're absolutely right, Dave. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about state legislators because they're currently in session um, what are the big state-level policies that you guys are dealing with in your state? Certainly. Well, our legislative session just kicked off uh, in January. We, Unlike Texas, we meet year-round. Uh, our sessions last two years, and they'll meet uh, year-round and discuss a whole host of issues, introduce thousands and thousands of bills. There is nothing off-limits in terms of what is or can be introduced. Um, right now, in the beginning of the session, a lot of the attention is focused on the introduction of the governor's proposed budget and uh, legislative hearings to hear from um, members of his administration to defend the budget requests. Why am I talking about it? Well, along with the budget uh, that the governor has proposed, he is asking yet again to impose a, an additional severance tax on the industry. We already have a severance tax. We call it the impact fee. It's been around for a number of years, and the impact fee has raised uh, by this summer well over $2 billion, and a lot of those funds go back to communities that host um, oil and gas drilling activities, and it even goes out to some communities that don't host them so that the money is spread statewide. It's an incredibly successful uh, tax program. Uh, it, it goes to good things. It, it helps local economies. It helps local governments provide the services that they need to provide. However, the governor, just because it's not called a severance tax, he wants to hit another severance tax on top of it. And while we haven't done, you know, we haven't seen a formal proposal yet, if we look at how it was proposed last year, which, by the way, he's done this seven years in a row. Yeah. But when we look at last year's proposal and based on last year's production, um, our folks have estimated that the tax, both taxes combined, could be over 12%. Um, how is that for welcome for the industry? We really need to, we're, we're dealing with that every single day. Um, any other host of issues out there, environmental issues, as you know, 
when I first started working in the industry in 2010, 2011, and when I started traveling to other states doing government affairs work, uh, folks in, in areas like Texas and Oklahoma would say, keep your ideas back in Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, unfortunately, challenging ideas do travel. And I apologize to my friends in Oklahoma and Texas if some of the bad ideas or challenging ideas up here made their way down there. Well, obviously, if you guys are meeting year round for two years, you guys are pretty busy. Texas is only every two years. And so uh, our sessions become really, really important when we talk about oil and gas here. David, I know you wanted to get into the presidential election. Yeah. Take it away. Yeah, obviously, we uh, we didn't have the presidential uh, outcome that we had hoped for. I think most people in the industry had hoped for last year. Um, that's elections have consequences, obviously. Talk about some of the con- consequences you're already seeing coming in from Washington right now. Well, uh, nationwide, we saw the consequences within the first few days, and that was in the executive order blitz. You know, he sends a chill through the industry by, with a stroke of a pen, stopping Keystone XL and the 10 or 11,000 good paying union jobs that would have gone for uh, construction of that project, sends a complete chill through the midstream industry. You know, for folks who are proposing greenfield pipelines, they, they worry about, will we be subject to the same kind of treatment? Um, the other executive order, obviously dealing with federal lands. Now, Mind you, I'm in a state where we don't have production on federal land, but that impacts all of us. And what what does it all mean for me? It means that what we're doing is just replacing um, oil and gas that's been produced on federal lands according to world-class regulations, and then substituting oil and gas coming into the country, perhaps from other regions where they're not subject, where the operations aren't subject to the same world-class standards. So environmental performance suffers, energy security suffers, and again, energy security, national security, national security suffers as well. Yeah. And I wonder why the green groups don't speak about that. You know, they, they, they don't talk about how we're, we're going to get it from another region that has no oversight or very little in the way of the environment, excepting from another country that obviously doesn't have any or very little oversight compared to the United States of America. And then you talk about national security, like you mentioned. And I guess I'm probably one of the listeners, even though I'm the host, that just doesn't quite, something's not fitting in this picture properly. And you start wondering, well, what is the point of this since we all live on one planet? And we go back through this all over every single day when we do the show <laughs> to try to help our listeners understand. It, it, it's something's not making sense. And um, I like to use the word, it's the dog and pony show. We're going to get ready for break. When we come back from break, I want to stay on President Biden because he has introduced an infrastructure plan. We have the Green New Deal. The EPA is rolling out a lot of regulations. So we have a lot to cover in the last segment. So we're going to zoom through it. You're listening to an oil patch radio show and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. 
as a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment, and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Program. I'm David Blackman with my host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today is Dave Callahan, the president of the Marcella Shell Coalition, and we're talking politics now. What fun. Mm-hmm. Dave, uh, President Biden, um, I guess it's the Biden-Harris administration at this point, they want to be called, introduced uh, what they are calling an infrastructure plan recently, but is really not an infrastructure plan at all. It's a it's a left turn into the Green New Deal politics. I looked at the bill uh, and did what I could to analyze it. I can't see a single positive provision in it related to natural gas or oil. And I'm just wondering uh, what uh, your group uh, thinks about the plan. Thank you. And, and uh, we were all, uh, the president came to Pennsylvania to announce the package. Uh, now, while I've only seen uh, descriptions of it, obviously they're going to be working on putting this together in bill form over the next several months. Uh, we can only speculate based on some uh, documents provided by the White House. With all that being said, we're, we're struck by the fact that there is no recognition whatsoever about the importance of natural gas to our country, to our economy, to our environment, and therefore natural gas infrastructure. Our infrastructure is every bit important as airports, bridges, yeah. roads, mass transit centers, you name it. It's about, it allows us to get the energy where it's needed, when it's needed. And it's about serving markets that need to be served. I talked a little bit about the role that we played during the pandemic. We could also the role that, that the natural gas industry played during the recent cold snap in February. We need infrastructure to get the product where it's needed. And unfortunately, the plan, at least as far as I've seen, has no recognition of the importance of natural gas. We need that. Policymakers, if they're going to move something, they should recognize the important role that natural gas and oil play in the economy, play in our environment, play again for our national security. 
Um, well, I'm, not, I'm not plugging for, you know, we need a role, we need money, we need this, we need that. There just needs to be recognition. We can't be written off and the government can't choose winners in a competition in the private sector that should be going on for decades and decades to come. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, Dave, if they succeed, when, and I want to get into that because they're already getting pushback from some of the Democrats, uh, like West Virginia's Joe Manson, who, who happens to chair the Senate Energy Committee. Do you see this passing, but more importantly as well, and a part of that is who is telling the general public what this means to them if they if they should pass this? Uh, you know, how does this affect the consumer that's listening to the show right now? That's a very good point. I could say one thing, and that is I know how we've impacted the consumer here in Pennsylvania due to the development of natural gas resources from our shale resources. In Pennsylvania, since 2008, roughly the beginning of the shale play, um, we've lowered uh, electric wholesale costs uh, roughly 40% in the state. Wow. Our electric costs were you know, high on the higher end in terms of the national scale. Now we're below the average. For natural gas distribution companies, purchase gas costs, meaning the cost that the utilities or distribution companies pay since 2008 again, have dropped anywhere from two thirds to 87% in the state. So the consumers have a lot to, to win and a lot to lose if the government picks a winner. What about gas prices? And I, I think it's just overall increase of everywhere that they're gonna be experiencing this, correct? Whether it's gas prices at the pump, uh, higher food costs at their grocery stores. And this has an impact to them all the way around. I don't think most people really understand that. So that being said, how great of a chance do they have to uh, pass this infrastructure plan, in your opinion? Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not a uh, I'm not a, a keen student on all the affairs of Congress, but I read uh, <laughs> recently overnight that uh, Congress can that the, uh, the House and Senate can use reconciliation to get this done, meaning that they only need a simple majority. I think that improves uh, the chances of getting something done but it also shows the absolute power that some swing votes, like you already mentioned, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin has, uh, has the power to influence what's in, what's out of the package. He's very influential, very important. And dare I say, he, he's all of our senator at this point, if you work in the oil and gas industry. That's the truth. As, as Senator Murkowski, uh, I haven't seen anything from her uh, related to this bill yet. Have you? I have not. I have yeah. not, Dave. Let's just jump into EPA regulations. Okay. How's that affecting you guys anticipating the push around methane admissions? Certainly. Well, we're in a state where our State Department of Environment, Environmental Protection has done, uh, you know, worked with industry, but we have very stringent regulations on, on methane. And then there's the complicating factor of what comes first, the federal regulations, the state regulations. Um, it, it clearly... If the federal government does anything, it has to recognize what the states have done and allow the states to have whole primacy over the regulation of the industry. Very interesting. What's going on over there? Uh, well, just so you know, we're, we're having our our issues here, too. David, I'll give you the last question for... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what about flaring, Dave? We uh, Here in Texas, I know it's a different kind of issue, a different level of issue in Pennsylvania. In Texas, it's been a, a real... Uh, uh, strike point for the media to focus on the last couple of years. And, you know, it fell off dramatically. Now it's come back up uh, after the bust is over. Uh, 
and so we're we're seeing that start to rear its head again in, in news stories in Texas. I wonder about Pennsylvania, though. You haven't had quite the same level of issues with flaring up there, have you? No, we're certainly not in the same ballpark as Texas. Generally yeah. speaking, the gathering lines are there when the wells are ready to be turned on. Um, and in terms of methane itself, I think I saw a report from Energy in Depth from a couple of years ago, maybe more, um, that showed that we've reduced our methane intensity in the Appalachian region from 2011 through roughly 2018 or so by 82%. So um, I think we're doing a fantastic job. Uh, to go back to your prior question, Kim, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I agree with you more. So before we close out the show, Dave, and again, we want to thank you for being a guest and we enjoyed it and we want you to come back. For our listeners who are potentially listening because we're, we're in multiple states, I'd like to say that the Marcellus uh, Shell Coalition is not, it, while y'all focus on Pennsylvania, y'all accept uh, members from all over the United States. So if we have a listener who wants to join, where do they go to sign up or to learn more? Certainly, certainly. You can look us up on the internet. We have a brand spanking new website. We've just improved it, marcelluscoalition.org. You could look us up. You can look me up on LinkedIn. The organization is very active on social media. You'll see information there about the industry here in Pennsylvania, but also nationwide issues as well. Uh, I welcome the opportunity for, to have people come in and join the organization and companies join us from all over the country. Very good. Dave, once again, thank you for being a guest on the Oil Patch Radio Show. And we look forward to having you back. Thank you very much. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.